What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Thursday, November 12th, 2020. Thank you for tuning in today. In the second segment, I'm going to be covering some kind of random stuff throughout baseball that piqued my interest. I kind of like the way this has been going over the last week or so, believe it or not. I know some people probably aren't big fans of it. That's fine. I Whatever. But I, I actually, I kind of like looking at things and finding things throughout Major League Baseball that interest me. I've come to realize, because this is, in, in fairness to me, to cut myself a little bit of slack, the first year in which I've done this, you know, on Twitter I can make videos, but those are short and I can make them about whatever I want. Here I'm obligated to cover the game every day and I've just been looking for things that interest me and I've been able to find more than I I expected to and I look forward to covering that stuff in segment number two. But in segment number one, we're going to be talking about the Cy Young winners who were announced last night in both the American and National Leagues. I'm going to be talking about how the voting went, who finished in which spots, and just kind of giving my general thoughts on what went down and whether or not I was surprised by any of the voting. In the American League, the least surprising award of any award that's going to be handed out here in 2020, Shane Bieber unanimously wins American League Cy Young. Well-deserved, absolutely. I mean, we knew, even in a shortened season, we knew five starts in, yeah, this is going to be Beavers. I mean, he was just pitching at another level compared to everybody else. And, you know, the Indians just do an incredible job with starting pitching. And we're going to talk a little bit more later in this segment about, you know, some of their shortcomings because it is fair to talk about them. But the job they do developing starters is second to none. And, And this award, more than almost any other in baseball here in 2020, I think this one would have stuck over 162 games. Uh, the way he was rolling, and really, it wasn't like he came out of nowhere either. Shane Bieber was excellent in 2019, was MVP of the All-Star Game, and I know that's kind of a, a random award, only pitched one inning, you know, got some home cooking there because the game was in Cleveland, but it, you get my point. This guy was elite before, had a very good rookie season as well, and this year just took an, another step and, and was absolutely fantastic. It really is a shame we didn't get to see this thing play out over the full 162 because I would have loved to have seen where Shane Bieber would have ended up. I feel like he could have just had a, a historical transcendent like Justin Verlander circa 2011 type of campaign. I mean, until if not for Sandy Alomar's decision and and you know, you hate to put it all on on one move, but like in a in a 60 game season where three runs can have such a huge impact on your ERA, I think it kind of does make a difference. If not for Alomar's decision to to stick with him, you know, he ended up giving up a giving up a three-run home run to Willie Castro in that game against Detroit, if not for that, would have gone seven or seven and two-thirds scoreless innings. If not for that, you could have made the strong argument he should have been the MVP this season. I would still argue it, to be honest with you. I would have put him probably top three or four with the way he was rolling this season. Such a fun pitcher to watch. I mean, I'm a starting pitching guy. I love seeing starting pitchers dominate, and there is something just, just majestic about seeing a guy with his best stuff every fifth day. Even though he continually killed my Tigers, he was a joy to watch in 2020. Congratulations to Shane Bieber, your 2020 American League Cy Young winner. Uh, rounding out the top five, Kenta Maeda finished second for the Twins. Good for him. You know, unlike Bieber, who I think would have ended up carrying this thing all the way, Kenta Maeda is a guy who kind of gone back and forth with the Dodgers between starter and bullpen. Been a good pitcher here for a while. Came over from Japan, pitched some good baseball with the Dodgers, and it seemed like he never really got the due that he deserved. And this year, uh, he was he was sensational. A much-deserved second-place finish for the American League Cy Young. In third place, you had Hunjin Ryu of the Blue Jays. A phenomenal signing that was 
for Toronto. They went out, they got their ace. He had a very good season this year, received four second place votes as well. And fourth, you had Garrett Cole, who in the last four or five starts looked like the Garrett Cole that we saw in 2019, just one of the most dominant pitchers that you're ever going to see. Stumbled a little bit. I don't think he was ever actually as bad as some people were making it out to be. Like Some people were saying, oh my god, what's wrong with Garrett Cole? It's like, guys, he's five starts into what, like an eight-year deal or ten-year deal. I think he's going to be okay. He turned it around, ended up having a great season. Dallas Keuchel, a really good signing for the White Sox, ended up finishing fifth. After that, you had Lance Lynn for the Rangers in sixth spot. Lucas Giolito for the White Sox in 7th, Chris Bassett 8th, Dylan Bundy of the Angels 9th, Liam Hendricks, the only reliever that got any votes, finishing 10th of the Oakland Athletics, and Framer Valdez of the Astros finished 11th. So that rounds out the American League Cy Young voting. Let's talk about the National League. Also worth noting, shockingly, Matt Boyd did not receive a single Cy Young vote. Stop the count! Stop the count! In the National League, the award went to another former Cleveland Indian, this one, Trevor Bauer taking home his first Cy Young Award. How crazy is this? No Cincinnati Red has ever won the Cy Young Award until now. Trevor Bauer just did it in this abbreviated 60-game season. Well-deserved. If I watched a lot of these guys. I watched you know almost every start of the guys who finished in the top three here. Bauer was the best pitcher. Uh, I watched in the National League in 2020. He put up the best numbers. You know, I still believe Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball, and what Bauer did in a 60-game season, or even what Bieber did in a 60-game season, doesn't change that. But this was very well-deserved. I wondered if there would be some sort of backlash from the writers. I wondered if Bauer's antics, which don't bother me and shouldn't bother most people, may bother some old-fashioned baseball writers and it could prevent him from winning the Cy Young. And if this thing were closer, it could have tipped the scales one way or the other, but Bauer was so head and shoulders above everybody else, especially by the end of the season, he'd separated himself from the, from the top two or three pitchers in the National League, and, and he deserved this award. I'm, I'm happy for him, and he is about to embark on what is probably going to be a free agency trip it maybe trip isn't the right word for it, but a free agent odyssey that is going to, I think, change the game of baseball in a way. I think the way he's going to go about his business here over the next couple of weeks and months, making his free agency into a sweepstakes, is something that five, ten years from now, every big player is going to start doing. And I look forward to seeing how he goes about this. I, I find him endlessly entertaining. I really do. I think he's good for the game. I like Trevor Bauer. He finished first with 27. He finished with 27 of 30 first place votes. Yu Darvish got the other three. He finished second. No surprise. Yu Darvish really over the last year and a half revived his career on the north side of Chicago. Jacob DeGrom, who I just mentioned, finished third. Denilson Lamette, of the Padres finished fourth. That's that's huge for them. I would have gone with Max Freed. Max Freed was awesome. I would have even argued putting Max Freed second or third with the way he pitched. I guess part of that is skewed because he was so good in the postseason as well. Corbin Burns of the Brewers, uh, very surprising, finished sixth. Aaron Nola of the Phillies, seventh. Devin Williams, the only reliever on here, finished eighth. Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs, ninth. Zach Gallen of the Diamondbacks, tenth. Clayton Kershaw, 11th, and Zach Wheeler of the Phillies in his first year in Philadelphia finished 12th. You know, it's got to be said, and I'm sure many other people will be discussing this, both these guys were Cleveland Indian products. Uh, Bieber, I believe, was drafted by the Indians, whereas Bauer was acquired in a trade from Arizona. But many people believe that the pitcher Trevor Bauer is now can be credited to the fact that the Indians kind of fixed him. Uh, it's 
it's really amazing what they're able to do. It's incredible how they're able to develop starting pitching. I've said it a million times. Both these guys winning Cy Youngs is a testament to how good of a job the Indians do of developing starting pitching, but it also adds to a bittersweet taste when you realize that Cleveland has never been able to get over the top and win a World Series. You know, everyone dumps on the Tigers, and they should, and says, oh my God, how did he not win a World Series with Price and Verlander and Scherzer and Parcello and Sanchez and Fister? You know, all justified criticism. I carry carry water for that argument more than anybody. It's truly pathetic that they were ne- never able to get over the top. But, you know, the Indians not winning a World Series when they had Bauer and Salazar and Kluber and Carrasco and Shane Bieber and Clevenger, like all those guys within like a four or five year span never winning a World Series, it's, it's every bit as disappointing. Not just never winning a World Series. After 2016, they didn't win a playoff series. They never really came close after 16, which is weird because if you look at the, the their rotation over the last five seasons, 2016 was when they were like at their quote-unquote weakest. The only reason I, I kind of use air quotes there is because uh, Kluber was incredible, but Salazar and Carrasco, who were there two and three that year, were injured. They made it to the World Series with a rotation of Kluber, Bauer, and Josh Tomlin, who was effective for them. But, you know, when you look at aces in that rotation, Josh Tomlin is not exactly the first one that comes to mind. You know, congratulations to him. I'm happy for both those guys. All that's left now are the MVPs, and after that, the award season will be kaput. So when I get back, I'm going to talk about a little bit more news that went on throughout baseball, mainly concerning the New York Mets, new ownership, and Marcus Stroman taking the qualifying offer from the New York Mets. We'll be right back. And we're back. Thank you very much for tuning in today on this Thursday. Some more details have emerged regarding the DUI arrest of Tony La Russa. Uh, they're they're pretty ugly, but I, that's also like typical with this stuff. Like I, 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 contrary to what some people may believe, very rarely is anything intelligent ever said when they are drunk, especially as drunk and as hammered as Tony Larusa apparently was when he got arrested. You know, he went with the whole "Do you know who I am?" angle. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna make jokes about it. He went out there and he said, "Hey, hey, you know what? You know, I got a ring. I got a ring." I I, I think he was too blitzed to think of the word manager because he kept saying, "I'm a Hall of Fame baseball person. You want to." see my ring you want to see my ring I mean it's it's an ugly look you know it just adds to the controversy that already surrounded this hire I don't even have a ton more to say about it I went off on it yesterday just because it's such every time I think about it it just baffles me even more that they even went through with such an insane controversial decision and uh it it hurts. It hurts the White Sox and to me. And I even said this yesterday. What makes it so frustrating is like it's one of those things that hurts baseball, in my opinion, because you have a really fun, interesting team in the Chicago White Sox and all those players, Anderson, Moncada, Jimenez, it's all going to be overshadowed by the fact that they have this fossil managing them. That's, that's really too bad. In other news, another guy I talked about this week, two other guys actually, Steve Cohen had his introductory press conference as the new owner of the New York Mets. I mean, you talk about winning a press conference and saying all the right things. Guy who wants to win, says, I'm not even here to make money. I want to win championships. I mean, that's everything you want, right? And right away, Marcus Stroman, who I talked about yesterday when he was tweeting about how there was no amount of money that he would take in order to play for the White Sox, immediately accepted his qualifying offer to return to the New York Mets. They now have another piece of what is already a pretty solid rotation with DeGrom and Syndergaard hopefully coming back from injury in 2000. 
and 21. You know, that I like Marcus Stroman a lot. I would have loved to have seen him in Detroit, but good for him. He, he wanted to come back to New York. But what it speaks to, to me, is is the power of culture, how important something like that is. And, I, and it, culture is a weird thing. It's a word that I use very often. There's no metrics to measure culture like wins and losses success in the field that's that's measurable you can you can equate that culture is simply a feeling it's putting people in place who know what they're doing who have a good atmosphere that's why like i hate when people say managers don't matter they absolutely matter yes does a manager have the ability to win you x amount of games a season no not necessarily i think it's fair to say that a manager strategically is probably responsible for what five games a year now there are five big games we learned that when Osmus was here, like the games that he cost Detroit ended up being games that at points, especially in 2016, cost them a playoff spot. But ultimately, yes, it's true the fact that managers in terms of strategy don't have as much impact on a game as, say, a coach in football does. That's absolutely true. But they, they are responsible for atmosphere for creating a culture, creating a clubhouse that people want to play in. Like, Jim Leland is someone I defended for a long time. Now, is it fair to say that Leland kind of lost his marbles his last couple seasons? Yeah, I mean, even more than the last couple, the last several, last four or five, he was not up to par with some of the other managers in baseball when it came to having a feel for the game. Players loved him. Players worshipped him. Players would have ran through a wall for Jim Leland. And that is that is important. That does matter because you saw... It, in the the Osmus era, a lot of lethargicness, a lot of apathy coming off of a lot of those players, and it made it so frustrating. The number one thing you want as a fan, you just want the players and you want the owners and you want everyone attached to the front office and within the clubhouse to care. And it's very clear that right now in New York, they're they're building something kind of special there. I think Steve Cohen said all the right things. You know, I, I like covering stuff like this. I, I find it fascinating because I always rip on the ownership here. I always rip on the front office here. And, and I like finding front offices and GMs and owners that say things that I would prefer the, the owners in Detroit say. Because I think it is unfair at a certain point for me to constantly come on here and rip Illich or rip Avila and not explain my point better by, by showing other people that there's other front offices that do things different, that do things better, and this is how it should be done. Steve Cohen, I mean, if you're a Mets fan right now, you got to just be amped. Said all the right things. They got Stroman back. They're going to have a solid rotation. Still have Pete Alonso. There's a lot of pieces there. Like It's not like Cohen bought a team where the, the cupboard was completely bare. The Mets are pretty darn close. And, and yeah, the Braves kind of own that division right now. That is a difficult division to play in. But with the expanded postseason and with the rotation they have, you know, if they get in, they could get hot. I think I weirdly think baseball is kind of better when the Mets are good. That, that's a long-suffering fan base. I'd like to see them succeed. And like I said the other day, I'd love to see Jacob deGrom back in the postseason. So that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. Also, tomorrow's podcast will be a mailbag show, so if you have any questions, send them to this show's Twitter account. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a five-star written review of this show. I got a one-star review the other day. Um, I apologize to that person uh, for letting them down. That's the thing. When I get these negative reviews, you know, a lot of people have different reactions. A lot of people get angry. A lot of people get frustrated. I feel bad. I want to be entertaining. I want to be funny. I want people to enjoy the product uh, that I put out. So when I hear that someone 
uh, doesn't like what I do, uh, it hurts knowing that I've I've disappointed somebody. You know, the the thing that bothers me the most is like in in this particular review and in several of the reviews I've read, I, I don't I don't understand the personal contempt for me. If you hate my opinions, that's fine. I mean, sometimes I do too. If you hate uh, the way the things I talk about on here, fine. If if you hate my takes, fine. I don't. I don't think I present myself as a very vindictive, bad person. Maybe I do. I don't know. People seem to think I do. Maybe I'm just an awful person. I just haven't realized it yet. I think I beat myself up more than almost anybody else I know. So, sorry to go on a little tangent there. I've just been very frustrated lately. But that will do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.